0: He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance and for us ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Hello and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge that's engaging and transforming and empowering you, our listeners, to knowing, being, impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. You do so following us on all our social media. On Facebook, we are the Zero Network on Facebook. Go there, listen to archive shows, like, and share. On Twitter, the show handle is at Zero Radio, and my personal handle at Lorenzo T. Neal. And wherever there is a podcast, we are available. Uh, so thank you so much for all you all you who have been listening and following. We appreciate you so much. Also, if you'd like to support us, do so by going to Patreon.com/slash Lorenzo T. Neal. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can support what we do here at Zero Radio and uh, on everything else that we do. We appreciate you so much. And let's get this show started. Of course, um, it's inauguration day, and I'm recording this. Uh, after the inaug- inauguration of now 46th President of these United States, Mr. Joseph R. Biden Jr. And I want to extend to him a congratulations to his newly inaugurated Vice President Kamala Harris. We uh, give to her congratulations also. And to our outgoing administration, President Trump and uh, Vice President Pence. We wish them the very best as they uh, reenter civilian life. And uh, I don't know what Trump has up his sleeves or anything of that nature. But um, I already knew whatever he does, it is going to be <laughs> worth the watch. And so um, um, we're not sure what they're going to do. If they're going to, uh, when the Senate reconvenes next week, what they're going to do. But we shall see. We shall see. But before we, before I get into... Um, what I think is going to happen under the Biden administration. At first, the last time I I did the show was the week uh, was actually January sixth, that was the day that the um Congress was certifying the electoral college votes, and as I was recording the show because I was late recording, uh, they had stormed the Capitol, and um, yeah, we all know what has happened since then, but what. What has amazed me is the turnaround of President Trump. I, this is what I've, I've stated before and I say it now. I believe Trump was more playing a role than, you know, he was playing uh, a caricature of himself. We, we know from before he was elected the kind of bigger than, you know, life kind of persona that he portrayed to, to the media and that has not changed matter of fact it was amplified that character was amplified um uh during his presidency and i think he played antagonist to a lot of the things that the general public both wanted and uh wanted to see they we've been bought into this world of of uh, reality television and drama and all that. So it's become a part of our psyche. You know, in a certain degree, we expect drama in just about every facet of our lives. Uh, you know, and so he, I think he played into that role. And I think because he played into that role, he wasn't able to be as presidential as we would have liked. But following that incident on January 6th, The last three speeches that he gave, the first one at the border in Texas, the second one, um, I can't recall exactly when the second one was, but then the last one was his farewell speech. But all three of those speeches were the most presidential sounding speeches uh, of his presidency. Now, I go to... Uh, several speeches early on in the first year of his presidency, where he he made you know he stuck to the script and he came across presidential you know every president has great speech writers, but president trump his his best performance was always live in front of audiences unscripted at his rallies that's why thousands of people would go to his rallies because the brother. Well, the man, not the brother <laughs> the man is is charismatic to a degree. you know he could carry a crowd. I wouldn't have been surprised if he had been a preacher. you know he may have wanted to um but he he could keep the attention of a crowd he can he mesmerizes him he does the same thing President Obama did. He just did it <laughs> in in not so grateful way you know president Obama and President Clinton. They were very charismatic with their speaking, very relatable in their speaking. And Trump came across that very same way, except uh, the difference between those two and him is they were able to do it behind the scenes. They were able to do it, you know, unscripted. Trump couldn't do it unscripted. I mean, scripted. Uh, They could do it scripted as well as unscripted. Trump can only do it unscripted. But the last three speeches that he gave just this last week... Were the most presidential sounding, and in his farewell address, and I'll play a clip from that in a moment. But in his farewell address, he did really highlight what he had done for the country and and uh, some of the great things that he had he had done that needs to be recognized, and eventually. They will be recognized. They they will be recognized. You know, he, he was a president. He, although he was impeached twice, he, he, he will be recognized as a president. I don't know if he'll get a presidential library or not. But eventually, history will show that he had some accomplishments. You know, they will also highlight the great disparity of his uh, presidency. But history will come to see. I mean, because the reality was we were doing very well. Uh... For three years under his administration uh across the board and, and that's something that needs to be highlighted whether we i personally didn't like his <laughs> morality uh, pettiness and all of that stuff but aside from that he he did do uh, a wonderful not i won't say wonderful he did a good job so i want to play a little bit of a clip about four minutes of his farewell uh address And then I'm going to come back, make some commentary, and then I will play a uh, clip of presidents, Presidents Clinton, Bush, and Obama as they share some words following the inauguration of Joe Biden.
2: Everyone in the White House military office, the teams of Marine One and Air Force One, every member of the armed forces, and state and local law enforcement all across our country. Most of all, I want to thank the American people. To serve as your president has been an honor beyond description. Thank you for this extraordinary privilege. And that's what it is, a great privilege and a great honor. We must never forget that while Americans will always have our disagreements, we are a nation of incredible, decent, faithful, and peace-loving citizens who all want our country to thrive and flourish and be very, very successful and good. We are a truly magnificent nation. All Americans were horrified by the assault on our capital. Political violence is an attack on everything we cherish as Americans. It can never be tolerated. Now more than
0: ever, we must unite. So it it is clear that um, President Trump in this message, he was trying to give this sense of unity. And you, you heard he goes on to boast about all the things that happened under the four years, which he's entitled to do. You know, I would boast if I if I were him also. I boast and brag. And, you know, he uses exaggeratory language and he's entitled to do that. But it was good hearing that tone. And I think if he had used that tone during the campaign, uh, he would have gotten reelected. Truly reelected um, because he sounded presidential um, if he had instead of just being Trump, <laughs> he would' have gotten reelected. This is the kind of l- language and the tone that Americans expect to hear from presidents, from leaders, and you know that's what they expect to hear. They don't generally like the show office standoffish tone, even though we like it to see it done. You know we we play into the banter back and forth of uh, uh, the left and the right, the Republicans and the Democrats. we play into that banter, but when it really comes down to it, we want them to sound like that. We want them to sound like, "Hey, yeah, I may sound you know I may make speeches like this or I may do all the that, but really i'm 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 about the people, and unfortunately. Thanks to Twitter aiding and abetting him, he was able to do that. And for for Twitter, Facebook, and all those other social media platforms that banned him or disabled him or whatever they did, that goes to show you um, that they benefited from him for four well, five years from the moment he announced uh, until the, the last days of his presidency they benefited from him people joined twitter because of president trump people retweeted people people looked at twitter just to see what he was going to tweet and then they had the nerve to do that that that's so uh, i don't even know what to say the same thing with uh mainstream media cnn in particular they benefited msnbc they benefited fox news they benefited from him as a candidate uh during the primaries of 2015 2016 they benefited from this guy the entire four years the only thing that they had was trump they drove people into frenzies because of this man on both sides you you had people uh who were becoming trump supporters because you know he was like yeah it's fake news and it was you know i won't say fake news but it was mostly misleading intentional misinformation given and they knew it but they profited from it and uh <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see how they're going to how they're going to do uh under a uh, president biden I, I I think they'll have to find antagonists in the Congress and they'll have to play up the the, the banter between uh Congress, the left and the right. Uh, because I Biden is Biden is a status quo politician. Um, and that's what we're gonna see. We're not gonna see much leadership from him. That's just the reality. We're not going to see much leadership from him. We are going to see a traditional statesman who's going to do his best to make sure that the party that got him elected gets the benefits of his election and to make sure that he stays uh, out of the fray of the craziness, he stays just above the craziness to still come across as presidential. He's not going to be a leader. And Now, contrast that with President Trump, who accidentally became a leader. I think Trump accidentally fueled what we saw over the last uh particularly the last 9 months. I think he he kind of fueled that. But that's neither here nor there. Um uh like I said, it was just good hearing that tone come from Tri- President Trump, now former President Trump uh in his farewell address and again, He's petted to the core. He didn't even <laughs> he didn't even stay for the inauguration. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, and we're going to see what's going to happen with Trump. There are a lot of public announcements about uh, banks no longer supporting him and all of that. But you know, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. That's just a front. The man has fallen down dozens of times and gotten back up. The man has done more than enough that would have put anybody out. Uh, this this is just another little little blip for him. So uh, he, this is not the end of President Trump by any means. So I don't even want to know why people are assuming this is the end. Nope. I think it's actually going to be better for him. But that's neither here nor there. All right. This next clip I want to play is the, the epitome of what Americans expect from former presidents. With the persons of former presidents Clinton former President Bush and former President Obama as they um, provide words of wisdom, I guess you can say, to incoming or new President Joe Biden. So I'm to play this clip and I'll uh, provide a little commentary and then we'll take a break and get into the subject of the day.
1: Here are Presidents Bill Clinton, George Bush, and Barack Obama. Well, good evening, America. Obviously, there was a personal element to see my former vice president uh, become the 46th president, uh, to see uh, Kamala Harris as our first woman vice president. Uh, But more broadly, I think inaugurations signal a tradition of a peaceful transfer of power that is over two centuries old. Well, I think uh, the fact that the three of us are standing here talking about a peaceful transfer of power speaks to the uh, in institutional integrity of our country.
2: So this is an unusual thing. We are both trying to come back to normalcy, deal with totally abnormal
1: challenges, and do what we do best, which is try to make a more perfect union. It's an exciting time. We've got to not just listen to folks we agree with, but listen to folks we don't. Uh, and. You know, one of my fondest memories of the inauguration was uh, the, the grace and generosity that President Bush showed me and Laura Bush showed Michelle. And it was a reminder that we can have fierce disagreements uh, and yet recognize each other's common humanity and that as Americans, uh, we have more in common than what separates us. I think if uh, Americans would uh, love their neighbor like they would like to be loved themselves, uh, uh, a lot of the division in our society would end. That's what this means. It's a
2: new beginning. And everybody needs to get off their high horse and reach out to their friends and neighbors and try to make it possible.
1: If, in fact, as George said, we're looking for what binds us together, Uh, the American people are strong, they're tough. Uh, They can get through hardship, uh, and uh, there's no problem they can't solve uh, when we're working together. I think that was the theme of Joe's inaugural speech, and uh, I think all of us discovered that we're at our best when we're uh, all moving in the same direction. America is a generous country with people with great hearts. All three of us were lucky to be the president of this country. Uh, Mr. President, Uh, I'm pulling for your success. Your success is our country's success, and God bless you.
2: I'm glad you're there, and I wish you well. You have spoken for us today, now you will lead for us, and we're ready to march with you. Good luck. God bless you.
1: Joe, I'm proud of you, Uh, and you and Kamala uh, need to know that you've got all of us here rooting for your success keeping you in our prayers, uh, and we will be available in any ways that we can as citizens to, uh, to help you guide our country forward. Uh, we wish you Godspeed.
0: Now, and, and as I said, that's how people expect their presidents to sound. They sounded gracious. They sounded humble. They sounded um, very respectful towards each other and towards uh their relationship with um the people of America and um it, it's always good to, to to hear that. It's always good. And one thing I am I think Trump will fall into that he fall in, you know, it may take a year or two, but he's gonna be welcoming to the bunch, you know, eventually he'll show up at state funerals and state meeting, you know. Uh, he'll be recognized. He'll, he'll fall in line because unless the Senate convicts and says he can no longer share in any of uh, the benefits of former presidents or run for elected office, of any elected office at any level, um, unless they do that, I think he's going to fall in line. He's going to become a, a statesman in his post-presidency. We, we, we see... Uh, We've seen post-presidencies do wonderful. Uh, Jimmy Carter is one. Um, of course, um, Bill Clinton, <laughs> he, he, he's, he's gotten very wealthy. Uh, President Obama was relatively quiet until last year. You know, he's relatively quiet. He basically just did his speaking and came out with his book. and He'll probably stay in the background. But Trump is not one to do that. He's not going to stay in the background, you know, that talks of whatever he may do. But I I, I definitely believe within the next two years or so, you know, the country will have warmed up to the idea of former President Trump. Unless he, as they say, incites once again those individuals to do what they did. I, I don't believe he incited it, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Anyway. Uh, so we're going to take a break, and we'll come back from this break. We're going to talk about the black church and politics, and it's something I don't stray from, as you know. But we um, going to talk about the Bonner's new um, research into black Americans and the black church and black politics or politics. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about right after this break. Be right back. find it hard to believe, but at one point in your life, you're going to need access to reliable legal services. Legal issues can be confusing, complicated, and even a bit embarrassing. That's why I joined the family at LegalShield. LegalShield offers the most affordable, comprehensive legal coverage available. And for a small monthly fee, I have access to LegalShield's personal plan that includes attorneys who will represent me and provide me advice, even draft and review documents on my behalf. Not only do they provide excellent legal service, but with their ID shield, I'm also guaranteed protection from all fraud, including identity theft protection. Did I mention to you? I have so many perks and benefits that come with being a member of Legal Shield. Yeah, that pretty much cover the plan by itself. For the last 45 years, Americans have trusted Legal Shield for all their legal needs. And I'm glad that I've joined them. So give them a call. Visit their website, www.legalshield.com. I'm telling you, you will be glad that you did. So if you're not aware, I am a very Very curious person. I'm always trying to learn new things. And um, so I recently learned about Skillshare and... It's opened up so many doors for me on learning how to be a better creative person. I've learned, I've taken classes on uh, creative writing, on my podcasting, on my YouTube videos, all of that. It has come in handy. And I would strongly recommend you, if you are trying to improve on any skill that you have, and you want to go from being a hobby to uh, make it a pro, <laughs> I, I, I want to invite you to go to Skillshare.com. Uh, Skillshare.com is where you can go to learn all kinds of things. They have workshops on everything that you can imagine. Photography, videography, uh, writing, anything that you can think of, you can find it on Skillshare. So, and I'm telling you, you're going to, you're going to really love it. It's, it's worth every single moment, every single class and you'll, you'll love it. you are great. Greatly enjoy it. Go check it out. Skillshare.com/slash/ZeraTodayRadio. radio. i Dr. Lorenzo Neal, and i like to speak with my fellow clergy about a way to enhance your life and ministry. Are you looking to better connect with yourself and those you minister to? When was the last time you explored your emotional intelligence and health? I want to offer you my service as a coach and counselor. I've developed a six-week coaching program with a specific focus on self-differentiation. My background in education, leadership, and community counseling psychology gives me a unique look into the connection between our emotional wellness and our ministry. Blending spiritual principles with a family system's approach to ministry, I will help you become a highly self-differentiated person with a ministry that is engaging, liberating, and transforming. Contact me at O'Neill at gmail.com to schedule your first session with me. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and working with you to serve this present age and to fulfill and engage all yourself to do your master's will. Blessings. Hello and welcome back to Zero Today. I again am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal. Thank you so much for thinking it not robbery to tune into this podcast, this broadcast. Uh, I want to take a, give you the opportunity to take this moment to uh, share this broadcast across your social media. If you haven't done so, follow us on all of our social media on network. Facebook, we are at the Zero Network on Facebook and Twitter. Show handle at Zero Radio. My handle at Lorenzo T Neal. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. So let's get into this topic that I really want to talk about. Uh, the Bonner Research Group just released a study, uh, uh, some research that they conducted over a period of time in 2020, and they published some of the findings. And you can go to Bonner dot com uh research black church and politics you can find it uh barn b a r n a dot com um black church research but they released this um following uh, i guess a very historic time in the black church or in church overall as the pandemic hit we were not able to worship in person so a lot of churches with virtual there's still churches that are worshiping in person you know probably at very low capacity but they're still there before as my church and other churches within our favorite communion uh mostly are all virtual and uh occasionally we do have persons that will come and sit in (laughs) that come and sit in during the virtual recording or stream and uh yeah yeah. <laughs> i guess that counts as attendance but anyway a lot of, there's there's research that's been showing that since this uh sheltering in place and pandemic a lot of churches that have gone viral have uh it's been quite challenging right and perhaps the most challenging space it has been is in the black church because the black church has served centrally as the place of communion commitment and anything else that you can uh, think of when it comes to the black community and so uh bonner has released this study showing that black for black americans the black church counters the feelings of politicalist political powerlessness not only do they counter the uh, does it counter the uh, political powerlessness that black people feel but they also um that now it's forcing more people to get engaged with church and politics, black people. So let me read uh share a little bit of this article that uh the research it was written about the research. Now this is from January twenty January eighteenth is when it was published. So very recent. Um and it starts off talking about the historic election of the Reverend Dr. Ralph Warnock, who is the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, the historic Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. On his historic election as the first black senator uh, from the state of Georgia. And as I stated in my last broadcast, there are still only three black senators in the U.S. Congress, in the U.S. Senate. Only three. Two Democrat, one the Republican. Um, and I I question I wonder how they will interact how how will they support each other will they be brothers in arms though they differ uh, ideologically but that has yet to be seen but anyway the article goes on to say beyond its historical significance Warnock's campaign the crucial role of black brothers in Georgia and the Georgia runoff both the elections uh the november november 3rd election and the georgia runoff they renewed public interest in the political dimensions of black religious life uh this is one of the topics bonner explored and they've been exploring in the state of the black church project um and you can go to bonner and see more about that and i've talked about that over a period of time but um Here's some of the highlights of the research. It it showed that black perception of political powerlessness has increased over the last 25 years. Over the last 25 years. Now think about that. Between the the time of 1995-96 until now, black folk have felt uh, powerless in the political process. Now think about this. And contrast that to 60 years ago. When black folks began to feel more empowered about the political process as they garnered national attention for their boycotting and for uh, their marches and for all the things that they were doing to raise awareness of the plight of black Americans regarding voting and political power. They organized, they organized and, and they organized across political ideologies because there were people... Uh, I, I, I'd I like to highlight this. We tout the 1963 March on Washington and we touted Dr. King's speech. But people forget how inter... um. What's the word I'm looking for? How in the, in ideological that was. I just made that word up. I'm sure it's not a word. <laughs> but um, several of the organizers were more liberal. They didn't express it that way, but they were very much more liberal. As a matter of fact, Baynard, uh, who was one of the major organizers of the march, was homosexual and black. And that was a no-no, but he did it. And um, A. Philip Randolph, very much well-known and popular, was had become an atheist by that time, a non-believer, and uh, was pretty much apolitical even though he lobbied and he marched and he advocated for black civil rights, he was pretty much apolitical. And then, of course, you had Dr. Martin Luther King. And this is the controversial thing. King was registered as a Republican, as were most black people during that time. A lot of them were registered as Republicans up until sixty, sixty-five, somewhere in there, you know, with John Kennedy and his assassination and, and um, and Johnson leading to the uh, civil rights so a lot of them switched their their party from democrat to uh, from republican uh, to democrat but they were still largely conservative socially politically fiscally they were still largely conservative but just think that over the last 25 years um which is my generation my generation not my not my parents my grandparents but my generation uh have seen a has this sense of political powerlessness and that has driven and I, I don't understand why that is because in states like Mississippi we have more black elected officials statewide. We have more black uh mayors, black county supervisors and etc black election commissioners all across the board. Uh, you know, we have more black uh political leadership in states like Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, And uh, now we see even Alabama and and Georgia, it's definitely South Carolina, you know, and the Carolinas rather. Uh, We have more black political uh, figures, but we still have this sense of powerlessness. Uh, This is one of the most significant findings that Bonner uh, discovered. Uh, Black adults actually more likely express a sense of political disempowerment than they did as recently as the mid-90s. Uh, in 96, Barnard discovered 61% of black America, uh, of black adults agree black people generally feel proudlessness. Now, the total level of agreement with that same sentiment has increased to nearly three quarters of black adults, roughly 73% and 75% of black church girls. The increased perception of black powerlessness explains the efforts of black churches and paratroach parachurch organizations to promote policies and candidates that to fight voter suppression and that's one of the things that um helped raise um Abrams to her 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 level of uh, celebrity at the state. Stacey Abrams, uh, after she lost the the uh election for Governor in Georgia openly stated that it was uh voter suppression that led to that, and people bought onto that brought bought into that and uh there was no real evidence to suggest it. But it sounds good because there's no way with as many black people, especially in Fulton County, the largest county in, Atlanta, in uh, Georgia, the, the seat of Atlanta, with as many black folk there, there's no way she claimed that they sh- she should have lost. Or, um, and, and, and in a way, it's proven because these folk turned out on November 3rd and uh, on uh, January 5th. So, you know... It it just amazes me how we can cry voter suppression when we don't get what we want or we feel we're not getting what we want. And, And we feel powerlessness, but we have more elected black officials than ever before. It just amazes me. And you have to think about it. Congress, we still have a Congressional Black Caucus. And that Congressional Black Caucus is pretty much powerless. They don't do anything. They are not empowering. And yes, I am being very critical. I I admire most of those people who are in there. I know most of them. And I admire what they're trying to do. But I still say they are stifled because they are part of the bougie crowd, you know. Mm They are part of the status quo. They stay in line. They don't try to get out of the line because they know it will, it will hurt them politically. And guess what? It comes back and hurts black folk. Black folk feel disempowered because even the people they, they elect to, to be favorable towards them end up being disfavorable towards them. That's not the case across the board. But in a lot of cases it is. And, yeah, you know, some people may call it corruption. I just call it lazy. I just call it they're not trying to rock the boat. Uh, the the article goes on to say two in three black adults say the black church offers comfort and control. Two thirds of black adults, 29 percent agree strongly, 36 agree somewhat, including eight in 10 who are part of the black church, 37 percent. Agree strongly, 43 agree somewhat. Say an association with the black church brings comfort as it is a place where black people have control in their lives. And this uh, point seems to be more popular uh, than it was 24 years ago in 1996. Half of black adults, roughly 50%, agreed that black church membership fostered a sense of comfort and control. Now, just think about this. Now, these people feel who uh, the same people who feel disenfranchised, disempowered, and you know, all of that powerless when it comes to say in the black church, they have that sense of control. And I've always said this. You go to a black church, especially back in the day, that was the only place black men felt respected. And that was the only place black men could operate in autonomy. And that was the only place black men and black women to, could display a sense of humanity to themselves. Outside of where they were, especially in the Jim Crow South. That's where that's where they went. They wore their Sunday best. And I'm not talking about the TV show. No, they went to church to feel distinguished that's why it's always been if you were a preacher you were you, you know that was a distinguished position if you were a deacon that was a distinguished position you got to uh function vicariously in a political sense you got to elect the pastor you got to elect you know to see how the deacon boy went. You got to give to support the church and whatever the church was going to do. You got to bake the chicken, fry the uh, the chicken and the fish for the fish fries and the fundraisers. And and you got to help with the cotillion. You know, back in the day, we actually used to have cotillions, (laughs) you know, and your young men and young women, that was a sign of them going into adulthood. And you got to you got to help with all of that. You got to teach to Sunday school. You got to help mend and mold black minds. You know, you got to do all that. That was the purpose of the black church. Aside from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, it was a center of liberation. It has always been a center of liberation. But, you know, we've s- since kind of gotten away from that. Uh, the more independent we become, and the more wealthy we become, we um, we've gotten away from that. But it's, it's just interesting to me that that sense of comfort and control is now coming back into the black church. The idea that we can control how we how we feel and how we what we produce now it, it's reassuring. But I think this is where. Me as a pastor and other pastors like myself, if we're going to be truly engaged in serving this present age, this is where we really have to, this is where we really have to work. We really have to work because this is, this is saying to me as a pastor that I can now take this sense of comfort, especially in this pandemic and all of this, um, take this sense of control and, 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 um, Transmute it into other areas. Politically. More specifically. Transfuse that. Into the political arena. And see real change happen. That's the only way it's going to happen. To see real change happen. Using. The vehicle of the black church. Now. I'm be honest with you. With all the preachers we have in Congress right now, there are at least three or four that I know of. The question then becomes: With their faith, but I'm talking about black preachers specifically. Will their faith, will their faith, uh, take them into the area of courage that they need to? carry out the agenda that is in the best interest of black people. And we've already see a, a, seen a failure of this in the person of the Reverend Emmanuel Cleaver when he gave his prayer, his invocation, and tried to make it as inclusive as possible in, 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 by closing out with our men and our women. You know, and that's just ridiculous. But... This is where he is. He has to, you know, he's he's now, and I, I can't say what he's thinking. I, I'm not going to say it. But the pressure is on him to conform. Now, contrast that to what Dr. King wrote in one of his books, Be Transformed Nonconformist. The black church is the means that enabled Dr. King to be a transformed nonconformist. And to in a f- effectively be a, an agitator to help people see that just staying in the status quo was doing more harm than help. And not to the white folk. He was speaking to the black folk, too. Because a lot of his op- uh, opposition did not come externally from black, white folks alone. A lot of it came internally from black folk, from the black community. They didn't want to rock the boat. You know, they felt like, well, if it's going to change, God's going to change it. But God was using uh, Dr. King, Shuttlesworth, and many, many others as agents of change to do it. And some black folk and some black preachers just didn't like it. It threatened their livelihood at the time. (laughs) But anyway, it's neither here nor there. We have an opportunity right now we have an opportunity right now in 2021 to really see the power of the black vote in in uh in effect in 2020 we raised our voices we stepped and str- made strides in the streets we did all this we raised and amplified the the injustice that we believe to be occurring in our communities, we did well at least one form of that injustice, not all just one form in particular, and now we have an opportunity to see what will we do now after that we've got we we got our voices heard, and black women are celebrating like crazy, I mean black women were decked out in their pearls and chucks today in support of kamala harris i don't know how they organized it but you know i got tired of seeing (laughs) a a lot of women in pearls and chucks and i I understand what they're trying to commemorate that's good that's all good but here's the thing we we celebrate but we don't agitate enough and when we do agitate it does not get much accomplished we don't get much accomplished so we have an opportunity now as the black church for those who are still in the black church and still consider the black church as an impetus for change in black community we have a change a chance now to really amplify the fact that we did something and now we're going to demand something we already know what president biden will be Saying, has said he's going to do within his first 100 days. And uh, as far as I know. There is nothing specifically for black people. Now yes. There's a lot of stuff he talks about with racism. But let me tell you. Racism is just a guise. This <laughs> racism is just a guise. We are not in a racist world. What we are is a uh, conjured up racist um uh, thing that's happening people mostly the media wants wants black folks to stay in this sense of victimhood and it's a dangerous estate because the longer you stay in victimhood the more you will feel powerless when it comes to politics you're going to always feel like you can't get anything done if you keep buying to the idea that you can't get anything done. And the only way something can be done is if someone else does it for you. The efficacy of that is no. But that's neither here nor there. Right. I'd love to hear what you think. If you don't mind, you just, um, wherever you are listening to this uh, broadcast, iHeartRadio, uh i i uh, iPod, iPod <laughs> what is it <laughs> podcast <laughs> iPodcast but it's called apple iTunes wherever you're listening to this feel free you can email me pastor at gmail dot com and leave me a comment if you like or if you're listening on the zero facebook page yeah, just leave a comment there and um i'd love to hear what you think but anyway because i'm I'm running out of time i didn't intend to go this long. I just want to remind you all, yes, 2020 is over. The election cycle is over. All that is said and done. We have a new president. We have a new vice president. We've made history. That's all good. But if we really want to see change, we have to make it happen. We have to make this change happen. We cannot rely on President Biden cannot rely on vice president harris we cannot rely on any politician whatsoever we must trust god and we must be empowered within ourselves to do so anyway i hope that you guys enjoyed that and um i hope that you (laughs) keep listening no just kidding but anyway, uh, if you have not done so, make sure you go to slash Lorenzo T. Neal, sign up to be a patron for a little as a dollar a month, and um, you can see what we're doing and you can help do what we do. And uh, I keep saying I'm gonna do products, but I, you know, it's not my thing. I'm working on a new book, hopefully, it'll be out shortly. And um, when that is done, you'll hear promotion about that. But make sure that if you haven't gotten a copy of my books, go go to uh, my website, com. Order a copy of books. They're also available on Amazon and uh, support this podcast. Listen for an upcoming episode of my other podcast, Be Your Differentiated Self. We'll be uploading uh, new content there. And we appreciate all your support and all that you're doing. Continue to pray for us, and we will pray for you. And having said all that, Dr. Neil is out. God bless you. Peace.